0: start reading down here in verse 7 and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write remember this is the Lord telling John to do this these things saith he that is holy he that is true He that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews, and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them come, them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon the whole, all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh, will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him and my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. This is the sixth church. Just one more. The Laodicean church. This is the sixth sixth one that our Lord addresses in Asia. It was named after a man named Atalus. Atalus the second. This was 140 years before Christ came. This man loved his brother. He had a brother named Unimus. And by his love to his brother and his loyalty to his brother, they gave him the name of brother lover. And that's what Philadelphia means, brotherly love. And that's how that name came to be. Because this man who founded this place loved his brother so much. Maybe some of you all remember that story of that little boy that went to boy's town got a statue outside of it a big huge orphanage and they got a statue out in front of it where these two boys had to go to that orphanage called Boys Town and one of them carried his little brother on his back and when they got there said boy oh boy said how far have you carried him he said I've carried him all the way he said well ain't he heavy he says no he's not heavy he's my brother And they got that statue in front of that boy's town. That's a true story. That's a true story. And that's the way this man loved his brother. And that's how Philadelphia became to be called brotherly love. And there seemed to be, this is the only church or the second church after Smyrna that our Lord finds no fault in. Now there's no doubt no fault to some of the people that's in this particular church. There's no doubt about that. But here, love covers a multitude of sins. Christ finds no fault in this congregation of believers. In this people of Philadelphia. And look how our Lord addresses them when he talks to them. I like I told you, he addresses himself to every church differently. And here he tells this church, this church of brotherly love, These things saith he that is holy... Holy. Holy in his nature. Sinless in his nature. Holy in everything about him. Holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. Then he said, he that is true. He is true. Our Lord Jesus Christ is true to his word. True to his father. True to his people. True to those He loved. True to those that He's already took home to be with Him. He is true. He is true. He is true in everything that He does. And I tell you, beloved, truth and holiness go together. If you're holy, you got to be truthful. And I tell you, if you tell the truth, our Lord was holy. And so those two went together. And our Lord Jesus, they... A man, a lawyer, came to him one time in Matthew 22 and said this to him. said, We know of a truth that you are come from God and that you cares not for man, for you have no respect of man. He was just spreading the net for the Lord's feet. But our Lord is truth. They knew that he was true. And our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was a man, he was a holy man. He was as holy as God was. And if we have any holiness at all, it comes from Him. We don't have any holiness of our own. And and I thank God for that. I thank God that if I have any holiness at all, it comes from Christ. If I have any desire after holiness, it comes from Christ. If I have any desire to get over sin and be done with this flesh, it comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then look what else it says about him. He that hath the key of David. I got a message on this from years ago. He that hath the key of David. Now over in, in Acts, excuse me, Isaiah 22, it says there that the Lord laid on him the key of David. And he opens and no man can shut. And he shuts and no man can open. And he throws back and quotes that verse of scripture. He quotes this about himself. He said, he that has the key of David. Now you know what the key of David means. That means that he's the king. He's the rightful king. God said, David, I'm going to raise up somebody to sit on your throne and he'll reign in your, reign on the throne forever and ever and ever. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has the key. Now you notice there are two things you use a key for and you notice they're both right here. You use a key to let somebody in and you use a key to lock a door so nobody can get in to secure it and our Lord says that he says this he, he said I have the key David and I open and there ain't nobody can shut that door and if I shut it there ain't nobody in this world can open that door <laughs> Now, <laughs> that's, a, that's some powerful keys ain't it that's some powerful keys I tell you our Lord Jesus Christ he alone has the key The Jews don't have the key. The church don't have the key. The Pope don't have the key. Peter don't have the key. Key means power, key means authority. And you've got to really trust somebody to trust them with a key to your house or a key to your property. And God trusted Christ with the keys to open up the door of salvation. And He had trusted Him with the keys to shut the door if he chooses to shut it. And I tell you what, beloved, he has all power. Those keys give him the power, give him the authority over everybody. He can lock you out or he can bring you in. And I hope, listen, I hope he don't cut nobody out here. You see, he has the key of grace. Where are you going to get grace at? You're not born with it. We're not born with. It's not natural to us. It certainly isn't owed to us. He's the one that has the key of grace. He's the one that has the key of providence. And that means, beloved, that He's the one that governs this world and everything that's in it. There ain't nothing going to hurt us in this world except what Christ don't have the key to let it happen. And when it's time to stop it, He'll just turn the key off. <laughs> Is that Right? Huh and he has the key to the heart He has the key to the heart He's the only one that knows the heart I'll tell you and I've told you this and I know you I know you know it about yourself I'll tell you what I don't trust my own heart I trust Christ to do with my heart what's what, what is right to do with He knows it He's got the key to it And oh Lord, please don't turn it off. Please don't take your love out of it. Please don't lock it away from you. Uh, He has the key to the scriptures. We won't understand one verse of this book unless Christ unlocks it for us. We won't have no knowledge of God unless Christ opens it for us and opens that door for us. And He's the one that opens the door to glory. If we go to glory, He's the one that's opened that door. And I tell you, he said, I set before you an open door. Bless his holy name. Everybody he set that open door for, I'm telling you, they're coming in. They're coming in. And I tell you, you know, when you go through the scriptures, they talked about the effectual and open door was made for me. And he's the one that opens the door of utterance, he's the one that opens the door of the gospel. And he shuts the door. When he shuts the door. And you know there's so many people he shut the door against. You know how many people he shut the door against in the scriptures? So there's no telling how many he shuts the door to in this life. The very fact that we ain't got every seat in this place full. And we ain't got people out in the foyer. Is proof that God has shut the door on a multitude of people. You reckon He'd shut the door on you? Because if He shuts it, you can't open it. This old idea you know that Jesus has got a door and all you got to do is knock and He has to open. He's the door and He has the key to it. Oh, and he shuts the doors and ain't no man can open. Oh, I tell you what, these faith healers they can't open it. These great big, big crusaders they can't open it. They ain't nobody can open that. And if Christ shuts the heart, they ain't no man gonna open the heart. If Christ shuts out the church, they ain't nobody getting in the church. And if He shuts heaven, they ain't nobody going there. And I tell you what, if he shuts the eyes to see, you ain't gonna see. If he shuts the ears to hear, you ain't gonna hear. I do know this when he works, he works as he will, and no man can hinder him. And I like it like that. I tell you what, I'm glad that he's got the keys. It's not me or you or this church has got it. People seem to think if I just go to church, that's gonna make everything all right. I wonder how many, how many doors. Christ is shut that nobody's ever going to open. How many do you reckon Christ is shut? Oh my! But I do know this. He said, "Listen, I, when I do open, when I do open, ain't nobody can shut. And that door is open as long as the gospel of the grace of God is preached on this earth. The door is open." As long as Christ sets on his throne, the door is open. When he steps off that throne to come back here, I'll tell you the door's shutting and that's it. And I'll tell you, he shut the door to Esau. He shut the door to Demas. He shut the door to Judas. He shut the door to Cain. He shut the door to Canaan, Moab, Sodom, and Gomorrah. And there ain't nobody when God says. He shut the door in the days of the flood. He shut the door. And He shut Noah in. And I tell you what, that everybody else, the door was shut and there ain't no way they'd get in. That's scary, ain't it? If that door's open... And Christ said, "I have the keys, Lord. You would you would you would you let me in? Could I come in? Would, I, would you please let me in? Come on. The Spirit says come. The Bride says come. The Church says come. And I tell you, and He goes on to say here, it's like those you know those foolish virgins. There was ten of them, and they all slumbered and slept. Every single one of them did." But they heard the voice of the cry of the bridegroom. And they all woke up. Five of them trimmed their lamps and had them ready to go. And the light, you know, the candle was burning bright. And then five foolish, they didn't have no oil, they didn't have no light. And they said, give us of your oil. said, we ain't got just enough for ourselves. Five of them, the door was open for. Five, the door was shut. Shut. And then look what it says here else about this. He said in verse 8, I know your works. I know your works. I know your works. <laughs> oh my, he does. He knows everything about it. And let me say just a little something about this. Whatever you did do for Christ or one of His people, you do for Him. Whatever you do against one of them, you do against Him. That's what he says. But he said, I know your works. And behold, I've set before you an open door. I've set before you an open door. Now there's lots of enemies hanging around that door. You know the false prophet hung around the gate? Do you know that? When the straight gate and the narrow way and and the broad way, that false prophet hung right around that gate so folks start to go in he's going to try his best to keep you from going in that's where he hangs out at but he said I set before you an open door lots and lots of enemies but when Christ opens a door they can't shut it back they can't shut the door the enemies would like to shut the door the enemies of Christ would like to put him out of business but we owe all our spiritual liberties to the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. Let me show you something over here in Acts fourteen twenty seven. Look at Acts chapter fourteen. Let me show you something here. They're talking about Christ having an open door. Acts fourteen twenty seven. Open the door for them. Here's one of them doors that He opened, and nobody could shut. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them. And listen to this. And how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. <laughs> he opened the door of faith to who? The Gentiles. Who did that? God did that. He opened the door to the Gentiles. And Paul said, there's been an open and effectual door open for me. But there's many enemies. Many enemies. And I tell you, if you have an opportunity to preach the gospel, Christ opened that blessed door. If there's any work being done in this world, it's the work of God's grace to create willing hearts to come hear the gospel. And open ears to hear the gospel when they come. So Christ is the one that opens them doors and that is the truth I tell you what I feel sorry I, I saw something the other day and I said Lord I said I, would, I did the same thing years and years ago and I, I tried not to be angry about it or upset about it I said Lord I did the same thing I, and I was ignorant through ignorance but I know this I found out this without a shadow of a doubt that when we are shut up to this very fact that if God does anything for anybody He's the one who does it. I can't do it. You can't do it. The church can't do it. You know, we can get people in here. I, the preacher cannot go. He can go and get in somebody's lap and cry. That won't win nobody. But I don't. I do know this: that if Christ opens a man's heart and give him ears to hear, that man is going to sit right there and listen, and he's going to be a believer, huh? Then Christ is the only one that can open that door. And I believe that to all my heart. I believe it. How many how many of you here can say that only why I know the gospel is because Christ come and opened the door? He opened the door of my mind. He opened the door of my understanding. He opened the door of my heart. He opened my eyes. He opened my ears. And there's been lots of opportunities for people to try to get you to stop. And you get even yourself, you try to talk yourself out of it sometimes, you get so low. But you cannot close them ears once they've been open. <laughs> and you can't stop that heart once it's been open. And you can't shut them eyes once they've been open. Damn you. Can't do it. Can't do it. And then look what he says here For thou hast a little strength. Thou hast a little strength. You know. This is a wonderful thing," he said. "You got just a little strength, just a little. But how much do you have to have if Christ is for you? <laughs> oh, oh, oh! They could, you know, they couldn't open us up. They couldn't make themselves any stronger. Oh, they were small in number, small in the eyes of the world. Small and without strength before those who profess to know God, but Christ, Christ, Paul said, "I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me." Oh, His only way, and then He says, "You have just a little strength." You say, "Boy, I don't have, I don't have no strength." Well, if you have any at all, we know who we got it, huh? I don't care how much strength I got as long as it comes from Christ. And look what he said here. And he goes on to say, and you've kept my word. Ah. I looked that up the other day. Thou hast kept my word. You know what that means? That means to guard it, to watch it, to preserve it, and hold it close. You've kept my word. You've guarded. you watched it. You've kept it close. And you've kept my word. Been true to my word. I want to show you something. Over here in, in John chapter 17. I remember preaching through this. And this is one of the most astounding, astounding statements to me. And look in verse 6. Our Lord here is praying. And look what he says now. He's praying to pray unto his Father. And he says, Father, I have manifested thy name unto the men which you gave me. Now, you know how we know God's name and how we know anything about God? He said, I manifested thy name unto those that you gave me. I made you known. That's what he said. Which thou gavest me out of the world. Thy, they were yours and you gave them to me and listen to this this is what's the kicker and they have kept thy word <laughs> he said I gave it to them I gave them what you said and you know what they did they kept it they believed it they kept it close they kept it close huh? and they kept the word you've been true to me true to me and beloved keep the word of God keep in the word of God keep it guard it be honest with it be true with it and then he says thou hast not denied my name there's a song I I don't remember Gary you could probably sing it you know ashamed of thee ashamed of thee how could I be ashamed of you you know what I'm talking about ashamed of thee yeah, but there's a song in there. Savior, could I be ashamed of thee? Me, a mortal man, be ashamed of thee? He said, "Die hast not denied my name." People deny the name of Christ every single day. Peter denied it three times. He did. He just denied that I know him. But did our Lord forsake him? No, no, he didn't. And what he's saying, you've not denied my name. You've not denied your relationship with me. You've not denied that I'm God. You've not denied that I'm the Christ. You've not denied that I'm the Savior. You've not denied that I've got the name above every name. You've not denied the name that the only name whereby a man must be saved is through my name. You've not denied my name. You own me as I've revealed myself to you. you, didn't, you don't, as I made myself known to you, you've not denied me. And I tell you, you didn't deny me in word. Didn't die, deny me in your works. Didn't deny me in your practice. You know, it, there's some people that's called infidels and some people deny the power. But our Lord says, you did not deny my name. Now I feel like I've denied the Lord's name several times in my lifetime. Not stood up for Him like I should have. Not spoken of Him like I should have in front of people. Not uh, uh, been strong as ought to have been, wise as ought to have been. But He tells us here we've not denied His name. Not denied who He is. What He did. Who He did it for. And I tell you, let, let me. You. I want you to. I ain't seen this in a long time. Over in Titus, Titus is right before the book of Hebrews. Look what it says here, and let me read this to you. In Titus chapter one and verse fifteen, talk about denying the name of Christ. Oh, we don't. We've not denied my name. He said in verse 15, unto the pure, all things are pure. Those who know Christ, those who know God, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving, nothing's pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Listen now. They profess that they know God. But in works, they deny Him. Being abominable and disobedient and every, unto every good work, reprobate. Christ saying, You've not done that. You've not done that. You're not that way. And then look what he promises his church over here in verse 9. This is a, this is a mysterious thing right here. He said, Behold, I'll make them of the synagogue of Satan, which says they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I'll make them to come and worship before thy feet to know that I have loved thee. Now, he made a promise to this church. He said, I'll make them of the synagogue of Satan to say they are Jews. You know what I'm going to make them do? I'm going to make them come and bow down at your feet and worship before thy feet. He said, I'm going to make them come and worship before your feet. That's a, make somebody come and worship before these feet? Your feet? That's what he tells them, ain't it? I'm going to make them come and worship before your feet. I'm going to make your enemies worship before your feet. And then listen, he says, you know what? They say they're Jews. They say they're God's chosen people. They say they're elect." They love to pray great prayers. They love to read the scriptures. Love to put them on their clothes. And and you know, and the enemies of of Christ are the enemies of His church. Our Lord, He said time and again, He said, If you did it unto me, the least of these my brethren, you've done it unto me and when he put Paul down on the Damascus road he said Saul Saul why do you persecute me when he's persecuting the Lord's people he's persecuting him and that's what he's saying here Said them people that's against you he said I'm going to make them they're, they say they're Jews they say they're God's elect and they to the, our Lord Jesus told a bunch one time he said oh we're Abraham's seed he said if you were Abraham's seed you'd believe you'd do what Abraham did you'd believe me but you're not Abraham's children he said we've never been in bondage he said oh no you're not Abraham's children you know what you are you are of your father the devil and the deeds of your the father you're going to do he says but he that heareth the truth is free and he that's free the son makes free is free indeed and so he comes here and he says, They say they're Jews. Swear them down, they're Jews. And you know, Jews don't go to church, they go to synagogue. You notice it says synagogue here. They call their buildings synagogues. And he says, But they're of the synagogue of Satan. A synagogue where Satan is? A synagogue where people meet? Call them Satan? He said, but they say they're Jews. But he said, they're just lying. They're lying. They do lie. They're not Jews. They don't know me. They're not related to me. They're not related to anybody. They're the synagogue of Satan. And their profession, everything about it, was a lie. But the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ worships in spirit, worships in truth, Worships by Christ. Worships Christ and Christ alone. And he's going to make them know who his true people are. Look what he says. He said, they'll come and worship before thy feet. And listen to this. And you know what they're going to know? He said, they're going to know that I have loved you. (laughs) He said, when they come down, they're going to know that I've loved loved you. I loved you. I loved you. And then look what he says in verse 11. Oh, you're talking about perseverance. Or verse 10, excuse me. Verse 10. He said, Because thou hast kept the words of my patience. You know, when he talks about the word of his patience, you know, our Lord Jesus Christ, he was so patient. You know, he told his mother, My hour not yet come. And how many times did he say, my hour's not yet come. My hour's not yet come. My hour's not yet come. And how patient he was with these people. How patient he was with his disciples. How patient he was with them. He said, How long am I going to have to suffer you? Oh, he was so patient with them. And he says, You've kept the word of my patience. You've kept the word of my patience. You've kept the word. And the gospel is a word of patience. We wait and we wait. Wait on the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. Wait, 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 I say. And the gospel is the word of patience. We wait. God's patience with the world. You know how patient and how long-suffering God is with this world. I heard a big businessman say one time it's a good thing I ain't God well it he sure is <laughs> but he's so patient one of the most precious precious attributes of God to me is his long suffering his long suffering the fact that he is patient with me patient with me there's rarely, rarely a time, and I, I hope you take this the right way, but there's rarely a time that every time I get ready to preach, I say, Lord, what in the world am I doing here? What am I doing here? i got no business doing this. I need to be doing something else. But Christ is patient with me. He, Christ, look how He's patient in His sufferings. How patient was our Lord in his sufferings? They slapped him. They beat him. They mocked him. Put a purple robe on him. Put a crown on his head. Bowed down. Gave him a a wreath for a scepter. Bowed down and said, Hail, King of the Jews. Mocked him. Made fun of him. Slapped him. Said, Tell me. They put a blindfold on him and slapped him. Said, Now tell us who slapped you. And he never opened his mouth. You know when he opened his mouth and when he said something? When Pilate said, Don't you know I've got power to let you go and I've got power to let you uh, crucify you? And he said, you got no power. you got no power. He said, The only power you've got is what my Father gave you in heaven. You ain't got no power. And he says, He said, If my people, if my kingdom were of this world, I said, Are you a king? He said, If I, my kingdom was of this world, he says, My people would fight. But my kingdom is not of this world. Not of this world. And I tell you what. He was patient in His suffering. Patient in His death. And we patiently, patiently, patiently wait for His power to convert His people here. We patiently wait for Him to give us His present. We patiently wait for His appearing. And one of His days, bless His holy name, He is going to come. He is going to come, and then look what he says. Here's another promise that he made. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come up on the all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. He said, "I'm going to keep you." So that's going to be a great, great, great temptation. It's going to take a, come over the whole world, the whole world. To try them that dwell upon the earth. But he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep you from that. Everybody else is going to be tried, but I'm going to keep you from it. Huh? I'm going to try the whole world. But I'm going to keep you from that hour. I'm going to keep you from it. You know, Isaiah 43 says this, When thou goest through the fire, it shall not burn you. When thou goest through the river, it shall not overflow you. When thou goest through the water, it shall not harm you. Why? Because he said I have redeemed you. I've redeemed you. So whatever happens, he said, you know, said except those days have been shortened. No flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake, I have shortened that time. For the elect's sake, I've done that. And he says, "Going to try the whole world." And I tell you, I hope I don't offend anybody listening or hear either one. But people who won't keep the gospel in times of prosperity and peace like we have now, they won't keep it when they're being tried. If you don't keep it now and believe it now and need it now, in times of peace and prosperity, you certainly won't keep it when you're being tried. Huh? And I think that's true. I think it's true. And then look what our Savior said now. He said, Behold, I come quickly. He said that one other place. The last verse of the New Testament. He said, Behold, I come quickly. You know what John said? Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. He said, Behold, I come quickly. Because he said, I'm going to, you know, you got to keep my patience, the word of my patience. Behold, I will come quickly. And I tell you what, and hold fast to what you have. He said, No man take your crown. Hold fast to what you have. When that hour of trial comes, hold fast to what you have. Because I'm coming to save and I'm coming to judge. I'm coming to reward and I'm coming to punish and don't falter and don't lose the crown of life and don't lose the crown of righteousness I'm going to tell you what I think now you know I, I, I believe I can prove this from scripture but we have the crown of life we're wearing it right now Christ is our crown of life we're wearing a crown of life right now and also we have a crown of righteousness because we only have one righteousness the righteousness of Christ and when we get there he said he'll give us a crown of righteousness now there's not going to be a literal crown put up on our heads and there ain't going to be no literal crown so what he's talking about is is that i it's like a, the, the hoary hair is, a, is an old man's crown glory and he said that's the way I think it'll be I believe, I believe right now we have the crown of life Christ is our crown of life we have life he said, hold fast to that life. Hold fast to that life. You know, I, I, I started working out in 1994. So ever how many years that's been to now. And I still do it. And then people ask me, you know, why in the world you keep up with that? And I said, what are you doing over here? He said, I'm just trying my best to hold on one little bit. I oh God, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to keep from backing up. You know, I'm just trying to hold on. Just hold on. Keep on with it. You know, and that's what our Lord said. You hold fast. Don't go back. Don't back up a hair's breadth. Don't go back. Huh? Let no man take you crowned. Don't let man deceive you and take you crowned. And listen to what he says here. This is amazing to me. Him that overcometh, I preached that this morning. How do we overcome? By faith. By believing that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm going to make a pillar in the temple of my God. Oh my, something's a permanent pillar, something that's permanent and will abide. He said, I'm going to make him a pillar in the temple of my God. What is that temple? It's the church of God, it's the church of Christ. It's the church that God died for. He said, I'm going to make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And this and this here, and listen to this. And I'm going to write upon him the name of my God. He said, my, you know what God's name is? I am that I am. Huh? And look what else he says. And I'm going to write upon him the name of the city of my God. He's going to do. He's going to make us a pillar. He's going to write, write the name of God upon us. He's going to write the name of the city of my God on us. Which is New Jerusalem. Which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I'll write upon him my new name. Four things he go right on us. <laughs> oh and then he said, You know, I'll make a pillar. You won't have to go out no more, won't have to find a dwelling place. You'll be right where I want you. And I tell you what a, what's something to do. And that pillar and what's going to be inscribed upon us is the name of the eternal God. And I am that I am. That heavenly city that new Jerusalem, that city of peace, that city of righteousness. And you know what the name of Christ is? The word of God, King of kings, and Lord of lords. He said, I'm going to write it. I'm going to give you a name. Take my name, put it on you. And then look what he said. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. I'll tell you, this is a... There's more there than I can possibly get out of it. I could have just dwelt risked the seed. Just, just the key of David would have been enough to try to get through it for Christ's sake. Our Father, in the precious name of our Lord Jesus, thank You for being so gracious, so merciful to us today. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the truth as it is in Christ. Lord, please enable me by Your grace to be faithful, to be true, to be honest with myself. Be honest with those I preach to. Be faithful to them in love and faithful to them in prayer and faithful to them in love. Oh God, increase our love for one another. Protect us and preserve us. Be merciful and gracious to those who right now are in an hour of trial. A great hour of trial. We pray for them. Pray for your blessings, your strength, your grace to be upon them. For we know it's sufficient. Lord, as your people go out, preserve them. As they come in, preserve them. Lord, you said you know our going out and our coming in, our down-setting and our uprising. And so, Lord, we are conscious of You when we go. We go down, we get up. We go in, we go out. We're conscious of You and Your power, Your grace, Your mercy for us. So, Lord, please keep Your people, save Your people in this place, and do it for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. So rich and free. I'll see you Wednesday, God willing.